Hey, welcome back to the Ascent Church Podcast. We have a great episode for you. So let's get to it. A special guest with us, uh, Phil Kiefer is here. Phil, you can go ahead and come up. Uh, the lights are, are still off, so and you guys sit so far back that Phil can't even see you guys, which probably helped him quite a bit. Uh, Phil is preaching his first, I think, full real sermon by yourself today, right? I think so. But his wife said he preaches all the time at home, so <laughs> and uh, and I believe it. Phil is a, is a really special guy. You can come up on the stage, Phil. Uh, Phil's a really special guy. Uh, he's been in Bible study with uh, me and some other guys from Ascent and some guys from the Nazarene Church for, goodness, I don't know, two years now? Three, maybe? Yeah, about three, yeah. Yeah, long time. And uh, Phil is like a, a literal Bible commentary. His brain is unbelievable. Uh, he could tell you about Martin Luther, like what Martin Luther ate for breakfast on the day of the Reformation. <laughs> I mean, Phil knows everything. It's, it's truly, it's amazing. And uh, Phil tried to tell me when he was preparing for this sermon, he said, Blake, I'm not a preacher and I can't remember things. And I said, Phil, if you're not a preacher, then I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. So uh, you guys be nice to Phil. Phil is, is really good uh, with the scriptures and he's going to do a really good job because he's worked really hard. And as I always tell you, when somebody stands up here, it's your responsibility to do a really good job of listening and uh, working hard to make sure you hear what God has said to us today. And Phil also has uh, the privilege of serving with the Gideons. That's correct. Yes, and the Gideons are the ones who pass out all of the, the free Bibles. If you've ever been to a hotel and you see the Bible there, uh, that was left there by the Gideons. And so Phil's primary mission today was to be sent by the Gideons uh, to tell us a little bit more about that ministry and how we might be able to support it. But I'm going to pray for Phil, uh, and then he's going to jump into his sermon and telling us about the Gideons. Father God, as we uh, begin this time, I pray that you would clear Phil's mind of anything that ought not be there. Lord, I pray that anything he says that is not true would be blown away like the chaff in the wind. And anything that he says that is true would be highlighted in our minds. God, I, I love Phil and I love Phil's brain. But ultimately, God, I want you to be the one who speaks today. I want you to use your messenger to say the things that you need to say to us. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Thank you, Blake. I feel like that uh, Blake kind of took advantage of the situation. <laughs> he's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit pushy. Taylor, have you found that to be true? <laughs> he's been asking me to come and do something here for some time, but when he found out that the Gideons were coming, uh, uh, he said, "Well." If that's the case, then uh, by all means, let's let Phil Kiefer do it. And I told him, well, well, now, we have some really good speakers. And so, uh, but he was determined. And so here we are this morning. Blake, thank you. Said uh, Church family, thank you for allowing me uh, to come into the Lord's house to worship with you today. And I want to tell you a little bit of something about the Gideons. After all, it, that's why we're here this morning. The Gideons are an association... And they call themselves an association. Um, somewhat of an organization, I guess. But they started in 1898 when two men met together in an overcrowded hotel in, in Wisconsin. And they were forced to share a room because they, <laughs> they didn't have enough rooms. And they discovered that the two of them were both Christians. So that night in uh, evening devotions, they... Um, they thought, you know what would really be cool, what would really be neat, is if every hotel room 
had a Bible in it. And the more they discussed that, the more they decided, we need to do something about this. So uh, they started planning and working to that end. And the following year, a third man joined them. And, to, and together, the three of them um, formulated a, a plan to call themselves the Gideons. Now, Gideon was a, a prophet from the book of Judges, the 6th and 7th chapter, and uh, who defeated the Midians with just a clay jar and a torch. And uh, you probably remember the story. Uh, and so that is our, sim- our emblem, our symbol, as you see right there, the, the clay jar and the torch. And um, in 1908, with the help of the churches, the first Gideon Bibles were printed and placed into uh, the very first hotel was the Superior Hotel in Superior, Montana. And uh, from that time on, we have been placing Bibles uh, around the world. We, in 2015, we uh, placed our two thousand or two billionth Bible. Uh, in a hotel. There are currently 275,000 of us around the world in 200 countries. We print the Bible in over 108 languages. The last count I had, it was up to 127 languages that we preach or that we uh, translate the Bible in. So, we're getting Bibles out there and... um, we are all volunteer. 100% of everything the church gives goes to the printing, shipping, and distributing of Bibles. Uh, it's our pleasure. Uh, we give put Bibles in uh, place Bibles in hotels, motels, nursing homes, prisons. Uh, we place them in hospital rooms. Um, every military uh, man, uh, man or woman who enters the military receives a Gideon New Testament. We, uh, we go to the fifth grade classes uh, around the world, by the way. And uh, every fifth grader, we chose the fifth grade because we felt like that was the age where they could really grasp what was going on and, what, and could read and read well. So all fifth graders receive a, uh, a Gideon Bible. But we have unfortunately had some opposition in recent years. Um, The enemy doesn't like us giving Bibles away. So uh, one of the things that we've uh, tried to do is we have one, uh, one of our large high schools right here in northwest Oklahoma has shut the doors on us. They don't want their children receiving Gideon Bibles. They want to teach them, obviously, the things that they want to teach them. And one hotel, a large hotel in Woodward, has shut the doors to us as well. But the good news is, all the rest of the schools in our area, all the rest of our schools, um, have let us come in to give Gideon New Testaments to these young boys and girls uh, so that they can have the Word of God uh, for their own. The colleges still let us come in, and what's one of my greatest joys as well is to go to the colleges. We go to the one there in Woodward and the one in Alva, and we meet with the college students, and we talk to them, and we hand out Gideon New Testaments, and and they're very receptive to this. So the Gideons are doing a great work. Uh, This is 
when they asked me oh, about five or six years ago if I would become a Gideon, I thought, I said, well, first of all, can I give away Bibles? They said, all you want. I said, where do I sign up? Um, someone said that you guys like funny stories. I don't ever try to do this in our uh, Bible study, but uh, I thought that I probably, because our, our lesson are, is going to be very, uh, very difficult this morning to hear. And uh, Blake has asked me to speak on uh, why is the Bible relevant for today? And um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, bring you this lesson in a moment. But I thought I a little like humor because the lesson's going to be heavy, and uh, so we probably ought to start out with something a little more fun before I get started. As a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in the back country. As I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being a typical man, I didn't stop and ask for directions. <laughs> I finally arrived an hour late and saw that the funeral guy had evidently gone, and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There was no one uh, left, only the diggers and the crew left, and they were eating lunch. I really felt bad about being late and apologized to the men. I went to the side of the grave and looked down and saw the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so I started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played out my heart and soul for this man. With no family and friends, I played like I never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept. I wept. And together, uh, when I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and started for my car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. As I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say, I have never heard nothing like that before, and I've been put in septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> I'd like to speak to you this morning about a difficult theme. I want to go back about 2,700 years to um, 2 Kings. Uh, Hezekiah had, uh, in his latter years, uh, had a near-death experience. And uh, the Lord had given him 15 more years uh, to live. And... um, so during that time, he ushered in a great revival. He did many great things. And, uh, but he also had a son during that time. And his son was named Manasseh. And I'm just going to read a few verses here. Uh, 2 Kings 21, verses 1-6. through 6. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. His, uh, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord and following the detestable practices of the nations uh, that the Lord had driven out before Israel. He built the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. And he also erected altars to Baal. 
He made a sure pose as Ahab, the king of Israel, had done, and he bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem, I will put my name in both courts of the temple. Um, he built altars to the starry host, and he sacrificed his son in the fire. He practiced sorcery, divination, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord provoking him to anger. 55 years. The nation's longest reigning monarch created real havoc. Real havoc in that country. Um, after him, his son, Ammon, uh, was king for just a couple of years and was assassinated. And uh, chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, a little boy comes on the scene. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all his ways that of his father David, not turning aside to the right nor to the left. Um, Back to Manasseh. Manasseh had um, made some choices uh, as he began to grow from 12 years of age. Um, some of the choices he had made growing up in under his father's revival, uh, they had been taught the law, the Torah from his earliest youth. It wasn't that he didn't know the law. Uh, but the first thing he chose uh, to do was he rejected he rejected his father's reformation and the law and the prophets um, that was the first thing that he did uh, to uh, to cause the people of Israel to to fall and follow him um, one of the things every Jewish child has been taught is uh, the Ten Commandments was very important to them. That was uh, lessons that they had learned from their earliest age. And so it wasn't that Manasseh didn't know the Ten Commandments. He knew the Ten Commandments. And I think the Ten Commandments are still important today. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any graven images. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Anyone who misuses the name of the Lord your God will not be held guiltless. You're to keep the Sabbath day holy. You're to honor your mother and your father. The first commandment with a promise. You are not to murder. You're not to commit adultery. You're not to steal. You're not to lie. And you're not to covet. That's greed. That's idolatry. He knew all this. This was the thing that he was taught. But he made the first choice was to reject all that his father had taught him and all that the uh, prophets before had said to Israel. Um, there is a... Uh, Blake ought to know that I was going to come with an old hymn. There's, an old, there's a very old hymn from 1845 and we've been talking about old hymns. 
And there's a couple of stanzas I'd like to read. This is uh, Once to Ever Man a Nation by uh, the great uh, hymnist uh, James Russell Lowe. Let me just read you a couple of stanzas from this. Once to ever man a nation comes the moment to decide in the strife of truth and falsehood, the good or evil side. Some great cause, God's new Messiah, offering each the bloom or blight. Parts, uh, parts the goats from the sheep uh, upon the left and the right. And the choice goes before, ever before, twixt the darkness and the light. Careless seems the great avenger. History's pages but record. One death grapple in the darkness, twixt the symbols and the word. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet the scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadows, keeping watch above his own. Truth forever on the scaffold. Wrong forever on the throne. But the scaffold sways the future and beyond, behind the dim unknown, standeth God. Standeth God. Watch over His own. History has a long reach. Look back. Look back 10, 20, 30 years. Who would have ever believed America would go the direction it's going today? Yeah. So... Um, Manasseh made a second choice. He chose to silence the voice of the prophets. It's a progression of natural progression that in order to introduce a lie, you must first silence the truth. Today we call that hate speech. So what did he do? He can't, he, let me read, um, let me read um, verse, let me read something here. Uh, verse 10 through 13 of Second um, Kings. The Lord said through His servants, the prophets, Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah uh, into sin with items. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, I am going to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. What did he do? He began silencing the voice of the prophets. So the prophet that had been the, uh, his father's counselor, his father's prophet, his grandfather's prophet, King Ahaz, and his great-grandfather Uzziah's prophet, who counseled kings before him, this prophet had to flee from the wrath of Manasseh because he knew that the pursuers were quickly behind him. He crawled up into the hollow of a cedar tree, an old cedar tree, but the fringe of his robes gave him away. So a saw was brought, and they cut the tree in half, killing the old prophet. This very prophet who gave us a virgin shall be with child. She will give birth to the son, and you are to call him Emmanuel. He will be wonderful, counselor, 
Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the very one who gave us those great prophecies uh, that the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith says, and some were cut asunder. Isaiah was that man killed under Manasseh because he didn't want to hear what the truth was anymore. Don't talk to me about thus saith the Lord. Joseph Stalin was born from a peasant family in Georgia there around the Black Sea. His mother seemed to be a godly woman held to the faith. His father, although was a cobbler, worked in a factory, was an alcoholic, often beat Joseph. In fact, his daughter Zvetlana in an interview by Malcolm Mugridge years ago, uh, stated that her father often had to flee to the neighbors to hide from his father. Did you know Joseph Stalin was once a seminary student? But he gave up his mother's faith in God. He began reading Marx and Lenin. He liked the idea of the Communist Party. Uh, during those years from 1928 to 1941, it is estimated that Stalin bulldozed over 45,000 churches. He stopped the printing of religious information, including Bibles. The Bibles in that country were burned. In 1937 alone, 87,000 Orthodox preachers were killed. Overall, he killed 15 million of his own people and another 10 million of the Ukrainians who resisted him. Anyone who resisted was shot. So the Russian people spent the next 70 years without the Word of God because they were willing to believe a lie. It's a natural outcropping that um, you must silence the truth in order to establish a lie. G.K. Chesterton wrote, uh, the tragedy of disbelieving God is not that a person ends up believing nothing. Alas, it's much worse. A person may end up believing anything. There's many, which way, many ways. There's only one way to stand straight and many ways to fall. So what did, was his third choice? Manasseh made a third choice. Verse 16 of 21. Moreover, Manasseh also shed so much blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. And besides the sin that it caused uh, Judah to commit uh, so that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It's amazing how one man can lead millions into sin. Well, um, I'm going to be careful with how I handle this. There's much more that can be said about it. But there's a valley in Jerusalem called the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, the son of Hinnom. There they placed a bronze altar 
The nighttime seemed to be the time that they used. And they would bring huge instruments and drums to drown out the cries of the children as they placed them on the bronze altar and cast them into the fire. Child sacrifice. He instituted child sacrifice. The years went by. And you know what happened? Second uh, Chronicles chapter 33. Let me read you what happened to him. I just find this interesting. Second Chronicles um, 33, 10-13. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and the people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them army commanders of the king of Assyria and took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose and bound him with bronze shackles and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and he humbled himself greatly before the Lord his God, the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem, to the kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So he repented. He repented. But the damage was done. You can't take it back. Once it's out there, you can't stuff Pandora back in the box. Go back to Second uh, Kings. So the years go by. Manasseh is laid to rest and buried in the garden of his palace. His son Ammon uh, takes his place. His holy king for two years. And uh, he did much evil on the side of his Lord following his father's practices. So his officers assassinated him. And then come on the scene a little boy, just eight years old. His name was Josiah. Josiah, after 18 years, um, decided to repair the broken down temple. He said, let's, let's fix the temple. Let's have them people bring money. Bring your money. Let's do the repairs on the temple so we again can worship God as we have, as our fathers have. Well, while they were repairing the temple, he sent, um, he sent his secretary to... Um, Tell the, high, tell the high priest, open the treasuries. Let's pay these uh, carpenters and masons. Let's get this going. Let's get the temple rebuilt. Well, Hilkiah, the high priest, brings Shaphan a book. He said, does anyone know anything about this book? In fact, they called it a book. They didn't even know what the book was. You would think that someone would remember the book. But the moral law was lost in the house of the Lord. So Shaphan the secretary brought it to the king. The words of the book of the law. And he read it to the king. And you know what Josiah did? The first thing he did was he rent his robe, his clothes. And he fell on his face. And he dealt with his own sin. He repented. Then he called the, uh, uh, his men together and says, 
I need to know what the Lord has to say to us. Verses 18 through 20. So they sent Shaphan and Hilkiah go to the prophetess. They've actually found a prophet of the Lord left. It was a lady, ladies, a lady prophet. And she said, verse 18, Tell the king of Judah who sent you uh, to inquire of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, the words you heard, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what uh, I have spoken against this place and against its people, that they would uh, become accursed and laid waste because you uh, tore your robes and wept in my presence. I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took the answer back to the king. And the king's response was, it's time to follow the Lord. It's time to follow the Lord. 23, verse 1. Then the king called together all Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing, hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which the Lord, uh, which had been found in the temple, in the house of the Lord. The king uh, stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep His commands uh, and regulations and decrees with all His heart. And so, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. And then the people too pledged themselves to the covenant to follow the Lord. You know what they did? They began cleaning out the temple. Everything that Manasseh had set up that opposed God Altars to the starry host. Asherah poles. Um, all that Manasseh had done, Josiah cleaned up. They took and burned them. And you know what he did? The most important thing he did? Look um, in verse 10 of chapter 23. He desecrated Topheth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, no one could use it to sacrifice his son or daughter to the, in the fire to Molech anymore. That was the end of child sacrifice. Josiah did that. This valley of Hinnom um, is the same word that the New Testament uses for hell. The same word. It's the word Gehenna, the place of hell. It's from Josiah's time that this word came about. So when Jesus gives a warning in Mark chapter 9, let me run over to Mark chapter 9. I'll do this quickly. Jesus gives a warning to us all. Thus, something like this should happen again. Mark 
The valley of Hinnom became, had become a garbage dump. The fire continued to burn day and night. It's where the uh, Jerusalem brought their garbage and tossed into the valley. To uh, The fire was never quenched. Even in Jesus' day, it was still used as the garbage dump. Jesus says, If any one of you causes one of these little ones who believe in Me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go into hell, Gehenna, where the fire never dies or goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into Gehenna, that is, the place of hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into Gehenna, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. That's a pretty stern warning. Um, the book of the law was found in the house of the Lord. We as Gideons are trying to restore those books into Russia. We have now translated the Bible into Russian and we're shipping them in as fast as we can. We want Russia to have those Bibles. Okay. He puts an end to child sacrifice. He cleans up all Manasseh. And here is the final... Let me go back to... Uh, uh, Second Kings. I want to hear. I want you to hear the what the Lord had to say to this. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of all the mediums and spiritists, the household gods and idols, and other detestable things that Judah had uh, in, in Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there ever such a king like him who turned to the Lord and did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. And then the commentary on Manasseh. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn away from the fierce anger which burned against Judah because of all that Manasseh had done to provoke him to anger. The damage was done. The damage was done. Need I compare that to America today? Is it too late for America? Is it too late to turn this around? The book of the law was found in the house of the Lord. We need again to find the book of the law. Do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible and find that the Bible is written for you to understand 
all that is written against the past in history. History will come, history will go, and it will often repeat itself. But are you reading your Bible? The Bible is lost in the house of the Lord. We can't go out there and tell people out there about the Word of God until we first put it in here. David said, Your Word will I hide my heart that I will not sin against you. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when Jesus took three disciples with Him upon the Mount of Transfiguration, such a profound moment as this. And all of a sudden, His face and hands began to glow and His robe turned white as can be. And two men... Moses and Elijah descended in front of him. And he began speaking about his departure. Peter so got so upset. And as Peter often does, it came out of his mouth. Lord, this is great. This is wonderful. Let me put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's just hang out here from now on. And then all of a sudden, this cloud envelops them. And the three disciples fall on their face trembling. And this voice from the Father says, This is My Son. Listen to Him. Remember that Peter saw this. Profound as this is, Peter heard this. So Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, has something to say to us about this. In fact, I'm going to read this in the... Uh, New King James, because it's just it just captures it so much better. By the way, this is one of our Gideon uh, Bibles that we place in hotels, and we don't have a problem of anyone taking a Bible. Uh, we had one uh, man tell us that was running a hotel. He said, "He said I'm so sorry. They take them out of their rooms." <laughs> We said that's okay. That's why we come back every year to replace them. We want them to take Bibles. That's the whole thing. And it's interesting because whenever I go through and look at the old Bibles, we go from room to room to room looking at the old Bibles. I always open up to the Psalms. It's very interesting why what people will look at when they look at a Gideon Bible. They always go to the Psalms. I find pages folded over. I find verses underlined. I find words circled. Always in the Psalms. I think that's just fascinating. But let me read you what, uh, what Peter said here. Second uh, Peter uh, 16 through 21. This would help if I got to 2 Peter instead of 1 Peter. <laughs> For we did not follow cunningly devices, fables, when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard His voice which came from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed 
Would you do as well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns, the morning star rises in your hearts. He's he's commanding us. He's committing us to it would be good for us to keep reading the word until in this dark place, until this the day dawns and the Lord Jesus returns for us. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 66 books over 40 authors with one theme. I tell the guys in our, we're currently doing Genesis in our Bible study and I, I've told them, I said, look for Jesus on every page. This is His story. This history is His story. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'll close. For the Word of God is alive. It's active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit. Join tomorrow. It judges your thoughts and attitudes. It judges your thoughts and attitudes of your heart. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before Him to whom we must one day give an account. One day each one of us will stand before the Lord. Jesus said every careless word will be brought into judgment. Father, thank You for this time that I've spent bringing this hard theme. But I think the relevance of our day demands it. We either return to the Word of God or we follow Manasseh. The choice is ours. Lord, help Your people to make good choices. Let us follow You and Your Word. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Blake, for allowing the Gideons to, again, to bring the Word of God to your house, the house of the Lord here. Uh, by the way, I really like your church. <laughs> this was my uh, first time out here. And uh, I think it's a very nice church. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, I'm going to turn this back over to Blake. And... Um, you feel a hand. He said he's not a preacher. I think he lied to us. What do you guys think? <laughs> 42 minutes, Phil. In practice yesterday, he went 20 minutes. And he said, he said, I'm sorry if it's only five minutes long. He got up here. He got wound up. That was a good word. I appreciate it. Uh, the, it's been said of the American church, and uh, I believe it to be true, that often... Uh, we revere the Bible, but we don't read the Bible. You know, in other words, we've got Bibles all over the place, and uh, we feel bad if they're on the floor, or if somebody throws away a Bible, we go, "Ooh, I don't feel right about that." We revere it, but we just let them collect dust. We never actually read them, and uh, that's scary, friends, because Jesus says, in regards to faith, He says, "To much who is given, much is expected," and we have much that has been given to us as the church in America. We do not have the persecution that other countries have. We have wealth beyond what other countries have. And we will stand accountable for these things that have been given to us. 
And so that's why each week we preach through the Bible. And uh, I got to tell you, it was really cool. Thank you, Phil, for preaching because I got to sit here with my wife, uh, which is really rare to sit through a whole service with her. And uh, usually she's doing something or I'm doing something. And uh, so those of you who are here with your families, don't take that for granted that you get to come with your wife and your children and you get to hear God's word and then live that word out throughout the week. So really thankful for Phil. And uh, because of your guys' generosity throughout uh, the year, we always, like when something like this is coming up, we can begin to save a little bit of margin to give away money to causes like the Gideons so that we can get these Bibles out uh, to 2 billion Bibles. That's Over 2 billion. That's insane. That's a lot of Bibles. And uh, we want to be a part of that. Uh, Phil told me that uh, the New Testaments that they give out, the little ones, cost about like a dollar and seventy-three cents. Yeah, dollar seventy, something like that. Yeah, I'm really bad at math, so I rounded it up to two, and uh, we're going to give uh, enough for three hundred and twenty-five Bibles. We're going to be able to present Phil with a check. Yes, for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Because of the way you guys have given online, and when you give on your way out in those offering drop boxes, we're able to support causes like this. So, Phil, you can come up here and grab this check from me. And because we're short on time, we're not going to end in worship like we usually do. But this is worship. When you give your money, you are serving God in a way just as worshipful as when you sing praises. And so as a church family together, we're worshiping God by getting his Bible out to all the people who need it. Blake, thank you. I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we will go. Father God, thank you so much for this message that Phil has given us today. Uh, Lord, it is so timely and it is so needed Uh, in a world that doesn't know up from down or left from right, a world that is confused about what is right and what is wrong. Lord, we need to find the Bible, find the word in the house of God. And the house is not a place of brick and mortar. The house is a people. And it is within us as a people when we find the word of God, when we believe the word of God and we allow to transform our lives that we then are able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to transform the world. God, the church has done it before, and we can do it again. We can make the world a place that is full of love and grace, mercy and truth, all because of what you have done for us, especially through your Son on the cross, giving his life so that we might have our penalty of sin forgiven, that we might have the Holy Spirit to empower us for a godly life, and that we might have a future hope, a hope so bright that we do not even fear death, They can kill us if they want to, but for us to die is gain. Lord, may we walk out of here with that kind of courage today. It is in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's stand to our feet. And as we say every single week before we go, we are Ascent People. Serving people. Amen. If you want to go to kids camp, there's kids camp forms up here. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Ascent Church podcast. You can check in with us on social media at My Ascent Church. New episodes each week. Thanks. Thanks.